They have their handouts. Actually, I don't have a handout. I didn't get one. Did everybody get one? Do we have? Well, we still have some people. Uh, do we still have some more, Pastor Brian? Do we have more of these to hand out? Oh. Okay. All right. We'll make some more next week. So come back next week, and you'll have more. So we are starting, as Brian said, we are starting the stories of Elijah and Elisha. And I want to start out this series with a question, because when we study the life of Elijah and Elisha, we tend to think of these people as almost like a fictional character, like a hero in a story. And you look at these stories, and you're like, wow, that's a really cool story. All right, well, now i got to go back to my own life. But I want to show us that these aren't just stories. that They're not, they're not fictional. They're real historical people that lived real lives like we do. And I want to start out by asking this question and, and kind of think about our own lives. So what does a person's life look like when they are completely devoted to God? Like, what does your life look like when you are completely devoted to God? And we see that with Elijah and Elisha, two people that their lives are completely devoted to God. And the things that they get into are, you know, seem like, whoa, that's really crazy. That, can that actually happen? What, that, that can't really happen to me, can it? Well, if your life is completely devoted to God, it, yeah, it, it will happen in ways like these stories. And so th- now I want to start out also with a verse that would really hit this home to show us that Elijah was a person just like us. The Bible actually literally says that in the book of James. So let's look at James 5, 16, 17, and 18. This one you might sound familiar. Therefore, confess our sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That, that verse there, prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, describes the life of Elijah, a person who is completely devoted to God. And now look at this verse. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. There it is. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain, on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. So in 1 Kings chapter 17, you can go there right now if you want. 1 Kings 17 is where we are, and we'll see this story played out, the first half of the story, where Elijah prays, and there's no rain in the land for three and a half years. And so 1 Kings 17 is where we're going to be. I will go back a little bit before that, but let me pray, and then uh, we'll jump into this. I love our time of worship today, and I love what, we, what uh, Asaf was praying about, just resting in the presence of the Lord, like being in the presence of the Lord. And I, and I pray that this message, while, while I speak and while we're, while we're sitting here with the word open, I pray that, that the Lord stirs us up, stirs our, stirs our emotions, you know, stirs our minds up, gives us wisdom and knowledge and insight. And, and this, this is the presence of the Lord right here. It's not just Worship is in the presence. We feel it in worship, don't you? You're like, wow, this is the presence of the Lord. But sometimes when it comes to the, the word, it's like, okay, so let's get back into worship because the, that's the presence, right? No, like, this is the presence of the Lord here, okay? The presence of the Lord right here when we open up his word together. And so I just want to pray and just invite the Lord into this time together. So Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you show us in your word how powerful you are, how awesome you are. Thank you, Lord, that we can learn from it that it is written down so that we can learn who you are, God, and who we are. And so I pray that that would happen this morning. 
that as we read it, we would, we would think about our own lives and our own context and, and how we can live out our lives completely devoted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So Elijah, Elijah's name, what does his name mean? I think this is important. Elijah's name means Yahweh is my God. Yahweh is my God. Oh, it's kind of small. That's right. You can see that, right? Elijah is my God. And we see this played out throughout Elijah's life. Did I say Elijah is my God? Oh, caught myself. Yahweh is my God. Elijah is a human just like us. He is not a God. That's what the Bible says. So, So where are we in this story? Well, if you look at your little pamphlet, are we calling this pamphlet handout? Bookmark. There we go. Call it bookmark. It has a background information on there, and so uh, we see that during this time is around 870 BC. So we went through the Book of Exodus, and this is 600 years after Exodus. So that's kind of where we are. It is approximately 120 years after King David, and following that story, David and Solomon, and after Solomon, we see a split in the kingdom of Israel. So David and Solomon really brought the kingdom of Israel to like its high point, like pinnacle. Like it was the nation of the world, most powerful, most rich nation in the world. It was there. And then some things happened with Solomon in his life. And he started to allow a lot of idolatry worship into his life, into the kingdom of God. And that was not good. And then the split happened where there was a northern kingdom with there was 10 tribes of Israel there in the southern, which was two tribes of Israel. And so Elijah comes in to the northern uh, kingdom where there's the, the kings of Israel. And you can look at that in first Kings and you can read about all the different kings that have happened before King Ahab, which is where Elijah comes in to give a message to King Ahab, who is the king of Israel, the king of God's people. And we see that Ahab is not doing right. And so God sends Elijah to give him a message. And this was the message. Well, before we we give the message, I want to read about King Ahab's intro. So 1 Kings 16, 29 through 33, right before 1 Kings 17, we see Ahab and who he is. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, so that's the southern tribes, the two tribes there, uh, I mean, the the southern kingdom was, um, Asa was, was the reigning king there. Ahab, son of Omri, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. So that's the context we're in. There has never been any, anyone as evil as Ahab at this point. The most evilest villain of them all. He not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebet, but he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal. Look at that name, Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, which is the northern um, part of our Israel. It's the north uh, Lebanon today. It's, it's up there. And began to serve Baal and worship him. Let's stop and think about that. <laughs> the king of Israel, who is meant to lead people into worship to the king Yahweh, was leading people now into Baal worship. He set up an altar for Baal in the temple of Baal that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole and did more to arouse the anger of the Lord, the God of Israel, than did all the kings of Israel before him. He was saying to Israel, Baal was saying this, that Baal is my God. That's what King Ahab was saying. Baal 
is my God. Baal is our God. Baal is my wife's God. So therefore, I'm going to listen, and we're going to worship Baal now because that's what we should do, right? That's what King Ahab is saying to the nation because of, of the influence of his uh, Jezebel wife, who was not an Israelite, not a Hebrew. He was influenced by her and her family, the king of that area. And now Baal worship is being introduced into the nation of Israel again. This isn't the first time that Israel started to get into Baal worship. And I don't know why they chose to get into Baal worship again, because if you look way back in the past, you see that this was not a good idea. But they were like, ah, let's try it again. Why not? Let's see what happens. I guess all those years before, they just maybe forgot what was going on. So if you jump all the way back to Judges chapter 3, verse 7 and 11, we see a pattern here of what happens when the nation of Israel worships Baal. Let's see what happens. The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. You could probably take that verse and insert it back into that 1 Kings 16, right? The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Asherahs. Exactly the same thing is happening. The anger of the Lord burned against Israel, just like Ahab. He was arousing the Lord's anger, burned against Israel. He sold them into the hands of the Cushan I didn't practice that one. King of Aram, to whom the Israelites were subject for eight years. But when they cried out to the Lord, he heard, he, he raised up them a deliverer, Othanel, son of Kenez, Caleb's younger brother, who saved them, a, a judge in that time, who was acting kind of like a king as a leader, because there weren't kings yet. The spirit of the Lord came on him so that he became Israel's judge and went to war. The Lord gave that king of Aram into the hands of Othanel, who overpowered him. So the land had peace for 40 years. So do you see this pattern? Do you see what the pattern here was? So what is the pattern? Israel does evil. God acts with justice. God sends a messenger. And eventually we see God reigns over evil. And so there's a pattern there that we see in 1 Kings 16 with Ahab. We see that with, with judges. We see this pattern of this right here happening. And so we're going to get more into this as we go along in this chapter. Israel does evil. God acts with justice. God sends a messenger. God reigns over evil. So here in this story, God acts with justice by shutting up the heavens where now there's no rain for three and a half years. He's saying, you, you've done this. You've had a, there's a curse now on this land. Three and a half years, my messenger Elijah is going to give that message to the king. And eventually you'll see that God, Yahweh, is Israel's God, not Baal. And so we're going to see that, especially next week in 1 Kings 18, we will really see this played out between God and Baal. And if you know 1 Kings 18, you know I'm talking about the, the, the Mount Carmel uh, scene. So before we get more into 1 Kings 17, there's one more thing that happens here, which I thought was, was really interesting, is in 1 Kings 16, 34, right after we talked about Ahab, look what Ahab did, all right? Not only did he build a worship uh, to, to Baal and Asherah poles, he did something else that if you know the Bible, you're like, why would he think this was a good idea? In Ahab's time, Hael of Bethel rebuilt Jericho. <laughs> so if you know Bethel, Bethel was the, a place, of, uh, it was called a, a house of worship, a house of worship. So Ahab now is like, hey, let's rebuild that city Jericho. What, what was Jericho? It was a city that was stopping the Israelites from coming into the land in the first place in the book of Joshua. 
That was the city that was between them and the rest of the nation of Israel. So when, when Joshua and his army crossed over the Jordan River on dry ground, God split the Jordan River, they crossed over and they, there's Jericho. And we know they fought at the Battle of Jericho. They crushed the city of Jericho. Yeah, we crushed it. And they went into Israel and they started to win the battle of the foreign gods in Israel and all the people to wipe out the nation of, of foreign gods in Israel to cleanse it so that God would be the God of that land. Now, did they fully secede in that in Joshua? No, they, they, there are some things that they left behind. But in Ahab's time, he rebuilt Jericho. He laid its foundations at the cost of his firstborn son, Abiram, and he set up its gates at the cost of his youngest son, Segeb, in accordance with the word of the Lord spoken by Joshua. So this is a prophecy fulfilled by Joshua. Some of us might not think of Joshua as a, as a prophet, but he shared a, a word to the people and said in, in Joshua 6, if you go back to Joshua 6, do I have that one on there? Yeah. At the time, Joshua pronounced this solemn oath. So after they destroyed Jericho, he said this, cursed before the Lord is the one who undertakes to rebuild this city, Jericho. At the cost of his firstborn son, he will lay its foundations. At the cost of his youngest, he will set up its gates. So we see this prophecy fulfilled in 1 Kings 16 through Ahab. And what does it say that's going to happen to that person who does that? Cursed. Yeah. So now there's a curse in the land of Israel because of Ahab. So, you with me? All right. So Elijah then comes in, and he's kind of a type of, of Joshua. And there's a picture up there, uh, Scott. If you, I want to show this picture, and this is neat. Um, thinking about the, the different, uh, the map picture, yeah. Going from uh, Tishba, which is where Elijah's from, it's in 1 Kings 17. We'll read that in a second. So if you see there, Tishba, this is a very, very, very simple map, and I wanted to find a very simple map on purpose. So Tishba over there, there's the Jordan River, that water. Elijah comes from Tishba. He has to deliver the message to Ahab in Samaria, right? So what does he have to do? Cross over the Jordan River, all right? What did, what did Joshua have to do in order to get over to Jericho? crossed over the Jordan River. So there was this message of God coming from the east to Samaria, to Israel, to give them a message from God. There's this crossing over happening. And I thought that was an interesting parallel there in, that, in the scripture, seeing that pattern of them crossing over to give that, that message of God. And so now, what is the message that is coming to Ahab? Well, 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Here's what Elijah says to uh, Ahab. Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead, said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. And that's it. That's the message. And then in verse two, we'll see in a minute, I'll read that. Elijah leaves. There's no response at Ahab right now. It's just, this is the word of the Lord, Ahab. God's going to do this, and then, he's, and then he leaves. So look at this next slide. Made it simple here for us. God acts with justice. Here's the pattern. Drought in the land. God sends a messenger. Who's that messenger? Is Elijah is the messenger. And so Elijah comes from the east, which is in Tishba, which is actually 
We don't know. That's, this is the first time in Scripture ever, nowhere else in Scripture where is, is there that, that city, Tishba. We don't know anything about it. We do know it's, it did give us a clue that it's in Gilead, which is we saw on the map where Tishba was. It's in that Gilead area, which is a rocky mountain. It means rocky mountainous area, which is east of the Jordan over in that area. So we do know where that's at. But here is uh, Elijah coming from the east into Israel to give a message. And this is also a pattern in scripture. When you see this happening, when there's a message coming from the east, it's a message from God. However, we see in the next verse where Elijah goes to the east. Look at verse two. Then the Lord said to Elijah, go to the east and hide by Kareth Brook near where it enters the Jordan River. Remember that map, Kareth Kareth brook is also across the Jordan River again. Drink from the brook and eat what the ravens bring you, for I have commanded them to bring you food. So Elijah did as the Lord told them and camped beside Kareth brook east of the Jordan River. The ravens brought him bread and meat each morning and evening, and he drank from the brook. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had not been rain in the land. So when you see that phrase going east, when somebody's heading east, that's actually a picture of them going into exile, going into exile. A godly message comes from the east. We see that message. Am I, am I losing this or am I picturing it? Message from the east is from God, but then when the person goes east, it's meaning exile. So now Ahab gave a message, but then he's sent to the east. Remember in the Garden of Eden, when the garden was closed, the gate was closed toward the east. So say, say this, this is the Garden of Eden. Look at that Garden of Eden out there. You guys see it? Looks nice. Looks beautiful. Say this is the gate to the garden, and it's facing, this isn't east, is it? No, it's not, but we're going to pretend that that's east, all right? So what if that gate is facing east? So in order for me to get to the garden, where, what direction do I have to go? I have to go west, right? But if I'm leaving the garden, where am I going? East. So I, I'm going further from the place I want to be. So why is God sending Elijah further out? Why is it, there's this sending out where he's going into a place of exile, into a place of wilderness, into that place. We've talked about, I've actually preached already from 1 Kings 17, 2 through 7, back when we talked about Exodus. If you read Exodus 16, 17, 18, it's the same story, okay? Same story where the people leave, they're in the wilderness. What do they need from God? Provision. They need food. They need water. Elijah needs food. He needs water. God sends a raven, okay, and a little tiny brook that he's getting water from, from in that area. And so God provides for Elijah in that wilderness, in that place where we don't think God is. Why would God say, I want to go that way, God. Like, why, are, why am I going, where am I over here? Do we ever find ourselves in that place where we're in a place where we're, we thought we wanted to go this way? We thought this was the way, this is the way, but then we're in this other place where this wilderness place where we feel like, where are you, God? But here's Elijah giving the message of God to the king, and then he gets sent down to, into exile. Like he was obedient in giving it, Right? So why didn't God just like raise him up at that moment? Like, all right, you gave the message of God. Come on, let's go into my kingdom. No, he, he goes out. And this happens a lot in life. 
When you do something for the Lord, you, you give a message of the Lord, sometimes exile follows that. And you got to be prepared for that. If you're wanting to live a life of godly devotion, a life completely devoted to God, be ready that when you do something for God, there might be a season after that where it seems confusing and rough, okay? Where it seems like that doesn't seem fair. What in the world? But then in that moment, God meets you with ways that we don't even imagine. Did you, would you have imagined being fed by a raven? Did Elijah think, oh, let me go out here and, and, and ravens will feed me? There's the picture right there of Elijah getting fed by ravens. I tried to find a really cheesy picture, and there it is. So you can get rid of that, Scott. Thank you for that. I also have a picture of, actually, of, of I forgot, of Elijah sharing the message to King Ahab. Here's the picture of, there he is right there. When I was finding that picture of the map, these cheesy pictures popped up, and so I just felt like comic relief because this is kind of a heavy message. There he is. All right, get that picture off there. Thank you. So Elijah, like I said, is kind of a, is a type of Joshua, but he's also a prefigure of John the Baptist. Look at John the Baptist. He was a wilderness man. John the Baptist came from um, a Judean wilderness came from a place. It even later on, we'll see that uh, Elijah in 2 Kings 1.8 is described as a hairy man wearing clo- clothing made of hair and wore a leather belt around his waist. Does that sound like a verse that is, is talking about John the Baptist as well, doesn't it, in, in Matthew 3? And so here is Elijah preparing the way for the Lord. When he came and shared this message to Ahab, he's preparing a way for Ahab, hey, the Lord wants you to repent of this. He doesn't want you to live and worship to other gods. He wants you to repent of this. He wants you to um, uh, be, be provided for by. So while Elijah was in this wilderness experience, when he's waiting for God to give the word for rain, think about the moment when that brook dries up in Elijah's life. Like, God, like already he's sent out to exile. He's like, oh, this isn't too bad. Ravens are feeding me. There's a nice little brook I can drink from. This is great. But then when the brook dries up, what was he thinking? Like, wait, now, now what, God? What am I supposed to do now? And we see that it says, then in verse eight, the Lord gave him a word to go somewhere next. So Elijah is waiting for the word of the Lord in every moment of his life. Every single moment, he is being moved by the word of God. He is acting by hearing the word of God and doing it. He's waiting for the word of the Lord, and then when he hears it, he goes with it. He is following Deuteronomy 8.3, which was in the, the, the Torah, which the kings were supposed to be obedient to. The kings of Israel were supposed to be obedient and living out the law and living out the teachings in the Torah. But the, the king of Israel wasn't at the time, but this prophet was living it out. In Deuteronomy 8, 3, it says, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the Lord. This is Elijah living it out in the wilderness, waiting for the Lord to speak a word of rain so that he could speak a word of rain into the land so that he could benefit because now Elijah, the man of God, is, is not benefiting from the curse of the land. He was at the time because this little brook was like flowing and he's like, okay, this isn't too bad. This is a nice little area. And then it dries up. So Elijah's probably like, thanks Ahab for cursing the entire land. Now me, the man of God is not benefiting from this. I'm getting, I'm getting the benefits of the, the, the curse. <laughs> and so he's waiting for the word of the Lord to happen. The word of the Lord happens. And what does he say next? Now go at once 
to Zarephath in the region of Sidon, which is north. We can go back to the map in a minute. And stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. Was food the issue? I thought, I thought he needed water. I guess it was food and water. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, uh, he called, and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that he may eat it and die. This is how bad it was in this, in this land. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Sometime later, the son of the woman had, uh, who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. He died. So there's another pattern here, right? The woman was doing what the Lord was telling her to do. She obeyed it. She did it. She lived it out in faith. She was trying to be devoted to the Lord. Wilderness happened after that. <laughs> she said to Elijah, what, what do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my son and kill my son? So Elijah's probably thinking the same thing, but he just went through this in a way where he just did the same thing. He, he gave a message of the Lord. He was living his life for God, and then he was sent into exile. So he's probably thinking like, huh, I've seen this before lived out. Oh, in my own life, I've seen that. I know what to do. Pray, because the prayer of a powerful person is, of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And you can have this same lifestyle of prayer. A righteous person, powerful and effective. All right, so let's, Elijah, let's do this. Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord, my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry and the boy's life returned to him and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, look, your son is alive. This is the first time in scripture we see something like this where a dead person is raised to life. And then we see later on in the gospels when Jesus is walking through the earth, we see, we see this happen quite often. This is very similar to a story that you've seen in the gospel, isn't it? And so here, this widow from Sidon, go, go back to that map, Scott. We'll, we'll go to that verse in a minute, 1 Kings 17, 24. But go to that map. So we see here the, the crossover. Tishba crosses over to Samaria to give the message, goes to Kareth Brook, and then he's going up into the Phoenician area, which is not Israel. Okay, this is a different country now. He's going up into this area. And we see in that area that, that the drought and the famine of Israel is actually even affecting that nation. So what does that say about the curses and the blessings of the nation of Israel? 
It affects other nations, doesn't it? <laughs> There's that little tidbit there. For, go read uh, Romans 9, 10, and 11. So I wasn't planning on talking about that, so I'm just going to plant that little seed, and then <laughs> Steve and Marianne Lewis will teach on that. Um, so we just see that, though, right? We see the effects of the nation of Israel. When, when, when there's a blessing, it's, it's a blessing to the, to the nations. We even see this happening in Jesus' life when he goes into the Gentile um, area, where he actually he goes up into this area in Phoenicia and Tyre and Sidon. He goes up there, and he meets a woman there, and she says to him, hey, like, can you bless me? And he's like, like, it's like a weird scene in, this, in the Gospels. He's like, it almost looks like he's like ignoring her. And you're like, what's, what is happening in this? Like, why, why is Jesus not like healing this lady? And then finally she's like, doesn't the dogs eat from the, ta- the scraps from the table, the master's table? And he's like, oh, you Gentile woman, you, you do have faith. I have come for the Israelites, but I will bless you as well. And so the, you see this picture of Gentiles being accepted into Yahweh into the, the, the God of Israel. Yahweh is my God and Yahweh can be our God. Yahweh is Israel's God and Yahweh can be our God as well. And there's that invitation. All right. So let's go back to this last verse in 1 Kings 17, 24. It says this, the woman uh, re- replied to all this to Elijah. And what did she say? By this I know, you've done this, you've, you, you faced this wilderness experience, you've prayed, and now I see that the word of the Lord is true. I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. Look at that phrase. Are people saying that about you? <laughs> is that something that people will say at your funeral? Asper's a man of God. Are people going to be affected at your funeral when they're like, man, that person lived a life of faith. That person, that was quite the life. And people get impacted in that moment. Are people being impacted right now in your life, living out the things that you live out and that we see? We, we all know each other's lives. We see what we go through on a daily basis. We see what happens in our lives. And you can tell a person of faith by how they face those things in life. Here's Elijah that he went through all these things and this widow here who went through tragedy and she stepped out in faith. I mean, she was making a meal to eat and die. And here is a man of God who she didn't know, came from nowhere, shows up. Hey, can you make me some bread? I mean, I guess, why not? I mean, right? I mean, at that point, she was like, I'm going to die anyway. So like, I guess I'll give you a portion. Here you go. And she just stepped out in faith and she was blessed by it. And even her life, Jesus mentions about this widow in, in, in Luke chapter four, where it talks about um, uh, prophets aren't, aren't um, accepted in their hometown. There was lots of widows in Israel, but why was Elijah sent to this other nation? because they didn't accept him. They didn't want to hear from Elijah. They wanted to worship, they wanted to worship Baal, and, and they, that's what they wanted to do. And so Elijah goes up to this other nation, just like Jesus went to other uh, parts. And so, so what? <laughs> this is a pretty interesting story and lots of um, interesting backgrounds and biblical patterns that we saw in this, but what does this have to do with our lives. So you may not be in a culture where there's a king that's trying to institute Baal worship or anything, but maybe we kind of are where there's a a Jezebel spirit that lingers 
And the Jezebel spirit, what is the Jezebel spirit? It's anything that tries to get our attention off of worship to God. Doesn't, the spirit of Jezebel doesn't want you to worship God. So if there's anything in your life that's trying to tug you away from worshiping the Lord, there's a, there's a hint and a, and a smell of Jezebel spirit. And even today as we're talking about this and, and talking about what's happening here, the Jezebel spirit doesn't want us to be uh, identifying it doesn't want us to be exposing its lies because it wants our attention to be away from God because the Jezebel spirit knows that when we're, our life is completely devoted to God, no amount of wilderness experience can take us away. Nothing can take us away. So that's what the Jezebel spirit knows. If, it, if this person's devoted completely to God, I can't do anything. I can't even send them into wilderness. I can't even cause them to be about to, about to die. I, I can't do anything because they're just going to continue to love God. So what can I try to do now before they get to that point of being completely devoted to God? And that's what the Jezebel spirit is trying to do, trying to get you to get your attention off of God because it knows that's what you need. It knows that when you say Yahweh is my God, it can't stop that. Are you declaring that in your life? Yahweh is my God even in a culture where it seems like it's declining and filled with death and filled with so much lies and so much hatred, are you continually saying, Yahweh is my God, despite it all, in this wilderness life that I live? Yahweh is my God. Elijah came from nowhere. He came from a, a land we don't even know of in a hometown, but guess what he did in that, in that hometown of his, that nowhere podunk hometown? Guess what he did? He made Elijah, I said it again, he made Yahweh his God. He made Elijah, his name, El, that's, that's you know, means, God, that's God there, so that's why I keep thinking that. Yahweh is my God. He made that declaration in his little home. Are you doing that in your home? Or are you thinking, well, I mean, one day I'll get there. One day, you know, I mean, somewhere in the future, like we, we live in that, that place in the future, don't we, a lot? <laughs> like, we'll get there one day. We'll have a, a family that really loves God, and we'll, de- we'll be reading the scriptures together and praying, and we'll, we'll be doing that one day. We got, you got to start right now in some ways. We, we've, been, <laughs> we've been trying to start. We, we, we do, we've been doing that a lot in our own home, and, and it's difficult with you know, four small children at times because they're wanting to do things, but we're still we're pressing through. Because we want our children to know the Lord. We want our children to say, Yahweh is my God. My God, right? Not Yahweh is my parents' God. Yahweh is my God, right? So start that in your own home. Are you making him your God in your home in that area? Are you making him your God in your community, in your workplace, in, in the areas that you are? Are you doing that? Are you declaring his goodness over your life everywhere you go? Maybe you just need to be provided for right now, like, like Elijah was in the wilderness. And I know that there's, there's people that feel that, that draining of in the wilderness. Maybe you're in that, that place and you just need him to provide for you. Well, look how God provided in such unlikely ways. God can do the same thing for you, provide for you in such unlikely ways. What does Ephesians 3 say and pray? That he would do more, immeasurably more than we think or even ask or imagine. Like he can do more. Like, just pray that. Lord, do that more in my life. Like, we were praying the other day, and, and I was praying for something, and then the Lord gave me this more 
prayer. So I was like, okay, I'll pray that. Why not? Like, I'll throw that out there and I'll pray for, for more of this. And it sounds crazy. But then even when I said that, I was like, that sounds crazy. But what, there's something even better than that probably that God has. And I can't even think or imagine it. Think about that. <laughs> or don't think about it. Because <laughs> you can't. Because God, <laughs> God, God can do even more than that. Right? That's just faith. That's just faith. Like, Lord, we're in your hands. We're we're in your hands. We're just we're just people like Elijah. We're in your hands, God. You can do it. We're gonna pray. We're gonna pray. And so if we um I just have one more thing to say, but I just want to kind of get ready to, to prayer uh pray. And I and I see some stirring happening in our lives right now. There's a couple things happening. Number one, there's, uh, like I said, there's people that need just the provision of the Lord. And so I want to pray for that. that um, and just give you that message of hope that God does provide. He will provide for you. He will provide. Sometimes provision comes after the giving, right? Look at this woman, this widow. She gave everything she had. And the Lord provided for her double, triple, I mean, immeasurably more. She thought, I only had this little olive oil, but I'm, I'm going to give that. And then it said she had an infinite amount after that. I mean, that's immeasurably more than she could have thought or imagined. Like, she couldn't have imagined her olive oil being never running out. Like, that wasn't even her, well, that wasn't even her mind. But she gave to the Lord. She gave, and, and the Lord provided for her. And so this morning I saw um, in worship, I see a lot back there, I can, I'm facing everybody. Um, I saw my son come up and, and give some money to the Lord. And I was like, wow, like um, during worship. And um, I know how much he gave. You know, we talked about it this morning, but he, he, he wanted to do it. And I know he could have, there's 10 other things he could have bought with that. And, I, and I, I know what he likes. And so he was giving up all that to give to the Lord. And then I saw an um, older gentleman worshiping the Lord. And I know that, this person has been worshiping the Lord probably longer than I've been alive. And here I am worshiping the Lord at my age. And I see these youth right here worshiping and, and bowing down to the Lord. And it's such a beautiful thing in worship when we come together on Sunday morning. And that's, that's what you get when you come here on Sunday morning. You get just every age, every race, every color, every, every nation coming before the Lord in worship to Him, declaring His goodness. And it's encouraging to see my son, who I was that age one time, giving to the Lord. To see a man, I'll be that age one day, with grandchildren, giving his worship to the Lord, just like a child. And so give to the Lord. You'll be surprised with what, with what he can give back. And he will provide. And then second, so provision, if you need that, let's pray for that. Just, just go ahead and, and, and get up if you if you will right now while I say this last thing. Elijah was a person just like us. But it was through the Spirit of God overflowing in his life that he was able to do the things that he did. It wasn't by his own might, wasn't by his own strength, wasn't by his own intelligence. He didn't write the story. He was a part of it. He lived it out. You don't know what's ahead in your life can't really write it out. If you did, you might, you know, you might come up with something. You're like, this is a great story. I'm going to write this out for me. But God's got to get something better, 
more for you than that. So Elijah was a human just like us, and we can, we can live the same way, completely devoted to God. And so my second prayer here is, is this, is that, uh, do you want that? Like, do you want to be filled completely with the presence of the Lord, where it's not just for you, but it's overflowing into, into your life, into everything around you? Do you want a life so full of God that your words are the words of God, that your actions are what God wants you to do, that everything you do uh, points and reflects to God and worship to him? Do you want that life? There's dangers and trials in it. We see that. (laughs) But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it to hear the words of God say to you, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done. Don't you want to hear that? Yeah. So if our prayer team ministers could come up, or um, we also have a prayer corner in the back, actually. So if you want, um, we opened up a space back there. If you if you feel comfortable uh, going back there and praying together with people, there's that space. This space up here is always available and open for anyone just to, to meet the Lord where, uh, or meet the Lord right there where you're at. Kneel before him sit in his presence but just pray this type of prayer if it's for provision lord i need you to provide for me i need you lord you see my needs provide or if it's just a prayer of god i want more of you let's do that right now let's pray for him lord we want more of you we want more of your presence we want more of your spirit overflowing in our lives. We, we want to do cool things like Elijah did, right? Like, that's pretty cool. And it's not through his, Elijah, it's through the power of God. Not about us, but don't you want to be a part of something like that? It's cool. <laughs> God, help us to stand in front of the, the evil in this world the Jezebel spirit that's rearing its ugly head and saying that God is the God of this entire place, of this world, of this universe. He's the creator God. So Lord, fill us to overflow in our lives in Jesus' name. So let's pray. If you want to come up front, if you want to pray it for back there, then it's open right now.